sbs.com.au. Welcome to Noir Here, this podcast with me, Johan Gabrielsson. In each program, we showcase some of the best writers and we meet the people behind the popular TV shows that have spread Nordic Noir around the world. Today we travel to Finland and Iceland, two countries that could not be further apart when it comes to crime. Finland has the highest murder rate of any Scandinavian country, whereas Iceland has one of the world's lowest. But Iceland has more crime writers per capita than any other country in the world. To find out why, we talk later to Gunthorin Gudmundsdottir, professor of comparative literature at the University of Iceland. We also meet award-winning writer Ragnar Jonasson, who began his career at 17, translating Agatha Christie novels into Icelandic. But first, we go to Finland to meet the former crime reporter turned successful crime writer Jarko Sipele. He is famous for his accurate account of Finnish police procedures, having worked for many years as a crime reporter for Finland's largest daily, Helsinki Sainomat. His famous detective, Takamaki, is known for his clear head and pedantic way of solving crimes. Far removed from the boost-up detective one finds in other Scandinavian crime stories. Has Finland developed its own unique style of Nordic Noir? I don't think there's just really a special style. A lot of crime fiction is published in Finland these days. The amounts have, have really risen, but not that much are translated into English. But um, maybe it's the Finnish style is a little bit less violent than the modern Swedish or Norwegian one. And maybe in Finland it's because of our way of thinking that the good doesn't always win in the end. <laughs> but are the Finns latecomers on this crime wave that had sweeped through Scandinavia? And uh, not really latecomers. I don't think we never got on the train at all in the <laughs> beginning because the Finnish, we didn't have in the 90s or in the early years of this century, we didn't have any agents here. So uh, there was nobody to promote the Finnish stories abroad and, and the Swedes and the Norwegians and now the Danish ones have done it much better than the Finnish ones. The Finns are not very good in marketing. Now, Jack, I want to know, what's the difference between your books, you think, and other Finnish crime writers? Maybe the biggest point is the realism. Uh, I think it's because of my journalistic background that, um, first of all, when I started the Helsinki Homicide series, I wanted to write kind of like a police procedural that are about crimes that could really happen in Helsinki. And um, like to describe the police work as it really goes. And uh, maybe that has been my special mark in this crime fixing scene. But uh, then again, I didn't really want to go to the 
really that much to the personal lives of the police women or, or the ladies, but to describe the policemen and the criminals, how they think and what things lead to the crime and what happened after that. Can you explain to me, Finland has one of the highest murder rates in Scandinavia. It's double than Sweden. What is the reason for this, do you think? I think the number one, the main, big main reason is alcohol. Um, the murder rates are coming down. There used to be kind of like a, a typical Finnish like murder second degree was that you have five men drinking together and one takes uh, too long of a sip from the vodka bottle and then the other one gets angry and, and stabs him with his knife. And in the morning, nobody remembers who killed this one fellow. There's a lot of crime related to mental issues and people, men killing the woman who wants to leave the marriage and, and so on. But it's problem and, and alcohol is the main reason. You said somewhere that crime fiction did rise in popularity in the mid-90s, and there was a clear reason for that in Finland. Can you tell me about that? The criminal world, first of all, changed a little bit. And uh, we actually got the gang at that time in Finland. There was a change also in, um, let's say, drug usage. So people started using more and more drugs, which meant that they were more and more imported, and the criminal world got harsher and uh, because there was more, more money involved and, and people were murdered and so on. And um, that might be kind of like the change in the criminality was one thing also. But then again, we got the new writers, which were pretty good, and kind of like some of them paved the way for newcomers. When I started in the 19th, I was one of these and got kind of to a flying start and... and uh, Maybe these crime fiction stories were a little bit kind of like underestimated in Finland. They were not seen as good literature, but when good writers started to write them, the popularity rose and, and people started buying that. And maybe one phenomenon that is happening now is that the mainstream writers are working more and more on crime fiction stories. We heard Jarkko Sipile. Iceland's Ragnar Jonasson published his first book, Snowblind, in 2010. It caused a literal sensation not only in his homeland, but also across the world. The book quickly topped the Amazon Kindle chart. Ragnar Jonasson became fascinated by crime writing through the English queen of crime, Agatha Christie. He has translated 14 of her novels into Icelandic. His own books have been published all over the world and Snowblind was the first book in the Dark Icelandic series with its main character, Ari Thor. Let's listen now to an excerpt from Snowblind. It is bitterly cold as we hover over the Icelandic town of Siglafjordur. The red stain was like a scream in the silence. The snow-covered ground was so white that it had almost banished the winter night's darkness, elemental in its purity. It had been snowing since that morning, big, heavy flakes falling gracefully to earth, 
That evening there was a break in the snowfall and no more had fallen since. Few people were about. Most people stayed indoors, happy to enjoy the weather from behind a window. It was possible that some of them had decided to stay at home after the death at the Dramatic Society. Tales travelled swiftly, and the atmosphere was heavy with suspicion, in spite of the town's peaceful outward appearance. A bird flying over the town would not have noticed anything unusual, would not have sensed the tension in the air, the uncertainty and even the fear. Not unless it had flown over the little back garden in the middle of the town. That's the beginning of Ragnar Jonasson's first book, Snowblind. So what does the term Nordic Noir mean for a writer who many describe as taking the genre to a new level? Nordic crime is this tradition which uh, has a little bit of a focus on the uh, maybe the social side of things as, as well as the, as the mystery. So there is a bit of social commentary in the traditional Nordic noir crime fiction, whether it's uh, movies or, or books. But I think another feature of Nordic noir is also maybe the emphasis on, on the landscape and the weather. We write these books in, a, in this Nordic setting, maybe especially, of course, Iceland. The weather can be unpredictable and, and it's a bit colder than, you know, further down south. So the weather is, uh, and the nature is, is often also a big part of the, the stories, the, the landscape and the, the isolation and uh, maybe the dark winter nights or the bright summer nights. Do you feel when you write that you are in a genre, in a genre of Nordic Noir, and that you are playing by the rules of that genre when you write your books? Uh, a little bit, uh, although I think I... You know, made in some ways my own rules because I'm a big fan of, of the Nordic crime tradition. But I also I'm also a big fan of the old Golden Age mysteries from the UK and the US from the maybe 1930s, 1940s, where there was this element of a detective story where the detective is investigating a sort of a classical mystery with uh, this fair play to the reader and the, the twist in the end. Because I like re- reading these books from this era. I think, you know, maybe consciously or unconsciously, they I've tried to include that in my own writings. So maybe the books are a little bit of both, both Nordic Noir and maybe the uh, old classical style. Can you tell us about your relationship with Agatha Christie? Because it started quite early. Yes, well, I started reading Agatha Christie maybe at the age of 11 or 12. I instantly for her books I started reading everything I could in the, in Icelandic to the point that you know when I ran out of books in the library I, I went to the the national library which where I could only go once a week and had to sit there in uh, on Saturday mornings inside reading the books that were out of print in Iceland and then I had finished reading everything I could find in, in, in Icelandic so I started you know, Agatha Christie basically made me start reading English, so I picked up her books in English and started reading them in English as well. And then I started translating uh, some short stories for a magazine here in Iceland. And when I was 17, I had the idea, which was maybe a crazy idea at the time, that I could translate a whole uh, novel. And I went to Agatha Christie's Icelandic publishers and, and, you know, presented myself. 
I was probably too young even to drive, so my mother took me there. And I didn't expect to be back from that, but uh, they, they called me back a few days later and asked me to pick a book to translate. And, and so I translated my first book at the age of 17, and I did this all through school and then through law school, and even after I started working. That's how our relationship evolved. And then I, I moved on to writing my own books, so I haven't been able to find the time to do more Agatha Christie translations. I tried to have a little bit of, you know, the leak in my books as well, some references. What is it in her writing that captivated you right from the beginning? I think it's two things. One is just the plot. People say that Agatha Christie has really written every single good plot there is. And I think there is something in that because she has developed every single twist, every good twist there is in some way in her 80 books or so. And it's always a simple plot, yet absolutely brilliant. And you can explain it in one sentence maybe. And yet it's so good that when you read the book, you have no idea what's happening. The other thing which I think makes her books very strong is, the, is her sense for setting. She usually sets the books in a remote location, whether it's a country cottage or on Orient Express or on the Nile. But it's always a very distinctive setting, which gives the book, you know, cozy atmosphere. Do you still read her? Do you still go back to her books and read her books for inspiration? Absolutely. I have all of her books in uh, in English now, and I, I'm actually just rereading them now uh, in order, just because, you know, they are very comforting reading. Your first book, Snowblind, your debut, what made you decide to suddenly just write a book like that? Where did that idea come from? I had written one book before in Icelandic, which hasn't been translated. Uh, my publishers here in Iceland, they, they liked that book. It was... The lead character was actually the same guy, but he wasn't a policeman. So they liked the character and they sort of suggested to me I should maybe do uh, another book. At, at that time, it would be a proper crime mystery with the same guy. So that was the start of this series, which started with Snowblind. And uh, I decided to uh, set the book in the northernmost town in Iceland, Siglifjörður, which was simply uh, because that's the town I know in Iceland, it's where my father grew up and my grandparents lived. At the town I visited since I was maybe three months old or something, every every year, many times a year. And it's a very historic town with a, and it's it's a perfect setting for a for a crime book because it's only accessible through a, an old tunnel. So it's like entering like a rabbit hole, and you're there in a different place where anything can happen. So that's really how this adventure started, maybe. You know, almost 10 years ago now, when I, when I started writing Snowblind. It's five books in total now already, which are set in this town or around the town. Can you tell me about that detective, though? Because his character fascinates a lot of people, Detective Ari Thor. How was he born? Where did you get influence to create this compelling character? He's a bit younger than I am. I think, you know, a few years younger when I started writing. So he's grown uh, with me, but he's always a few years younger than I am. So the the idea behind that was basically, you know, write what you know. So you write about uh, a young guy, and you know how it feels to be like twenty something because you've already been there. But a lot of his character is, is of course, just made up. But uh, there was another, you know, uh, maybe a, another link with Agatha Christie is, is when I when I created this young guy. In the back of my mind, I had, you know, remembered something Agatha Christie once 
said somewhere in an interview or in her biography uh, that she always regretted having created uh, Hercule Poirot and Miss Marple uh, already quite old. In her, in their, when they first appeared in her books, they were already retired. So she sort of complained later on that they couldn't really grow with her. For me, I thought I'll make this guy young, and so maybe I can use him uh, going forward. We heard Ragnar Jonasson. What's behind this successful wave of Icelandic crime writers like Ragnar Jonasson, Arnaldur Indrason, Ursa Sigurdardottir, and Viktor Arnar Ingolfsson? Is it something in the eyes? I asked professor in comparative literature at the University of Iceland, Gunnthorin Gudmundsdottir. Crime writing in Iceland is very much influenced by Scandinavian crime writing, by the original Swedish police procedural and, and all of that. Things like Kruvel and Valu and Henning Mankell and so on. Uh, initially, it was very much influenced by that. And you can see there are certain uh, aspects of it, like uh, engagement with social issues and so on. But now that we have many more crime writers than we have ever had before, the field is more diverse. So you have courtroom dramas and, and you have the uh, journalist detective and you have more kind of a thriller-like element. So it is m- much more diverse than just one Nordic noir. <laughs> of all this diversiveness, of all these different styles, is there something you, you come across that is only happens in Iceland? I think some authors use particular Icelandic features such as remote landscapes and use that as a space for crime and and, and suspense. And some use Icelandic folklore, sort of belief in ghosts and so on. So there are things that are particularly Icelandic, but not something that is overall in in all Icelandic crime writing. You said that crime writing in Iceland just took off. When did this kind of wave of crime writing take off? And what was the cause of that, do you think? It didn't really take off until the late 1990s with Arnaldur Indrason's work. There had been sporadic sort of writings, for instance, in the 1920s and again in the 1970s, but nothing that spurred a tradition or a, a field. I think one of the reasons is just the modernization of the Icelandic society, especially of the urban society, not necessarily more crime, because there is not much crime here, But there was just a sense that there is something hidden that needs to be discovered or or, or needs to be written. So there's not just one explanation why it started. But because of Interdelson's popularity, he, he, he became quite popular quite quickly. Other writers just saw an opportunity and and. Publishers wanted to publish more crime writing, and so it sort of escalated from there. Do you have a feeling where we are in this wave of Icelandic crime? Is it at a peak? Do you see any signs of it abating, or haven't we seen the top yet? We probably still not, have not seen the top. I think one of the reasons it is so popular amongst authors and uh, publishers at the moment is how popular it is abroad. So it's easy to get things translated. Historically, it's been very difficult to get Icelandic literature published and translated abroad. 
we are a very tiny society with, you know, there, there's not been much interest except in, in maybe in a couple of countries for mm. Icelandic literature. But because now it seems that, that Icelandic crime writing travels quite well, it, it is quite popular among authors and publishers. And I counted some of the titles that came out last year, and I think there were about 14 crime novels, which is quite a high number within this tiny market. And of course, some of them don't sell at all and, and don't get any attention. But still, in the bestseller lists, Arnaldur Indreason and Irsa Sigurðardóttir are always on top. It, it's still going strong. We haven't seen the peak yet, I think. Is there a spillover, do you think, from the popularity of Icelandic crime into TV shows and films that are being made in Iceland as well? Yes, but that, this has just happened in the last few years. There have been a couple of series that, that were made from Icelandic crime writing, uh, there was a series from the books of uh, Ivar Örn Josepsson, and then there is a series that has been going for some years that is sort of a courtroom drama called Court, which is now being sold abroad. But I think the real breakthrough came with the 2015 series Trapped. It was an original series, not based on, on any, any books, but it, it really caught on and, and caught international attention quite quickly. How do you respond to people that say Iceland is a very small nation? They have maybe one or two murders a year and they have this huge wave of crime writing. I think it shows very clearly that crime writing doesn't necessarily reflect any reality. Crime writing is a literary and a cultural and an entertainment value rather than a reflection of, of actual crimes being committed. So I think it just shows how little connection to any kind of criminal reality there is in crime writing. I mean, for instance, in sort of UK TV series like Barnaby or something, where these tiny villages in the south of England are riddled with crime and murders. Mm. But of course, we know they aren't. So I think it just shows that it is much more a literary cultural factor and an entertainment factor rather than, than a, a reality. Iceland is very famous a couple of years ago of a big bank crisis that shocked the foundation of Iceland. Is that mm -hmm. being reflected in, in crime series, in this writing? Yes, it, it, it has in some ways. In some books it's a, more of a background, it's there because you can't ignore it. It, it, it was such a, a, a seasonal change in Icelandic society that's there in the background. Some mm. people are addressing it directly. Irsa Sigurðardóttir in one of her books Part of it takes place in, in sort of almost unbuilt neighborhoods, which was uh, abandoned during the crash and so on. So it, it is definitely a feature. Gunthorin Gudmundsdotter. Thanks for listening to our Nordic Noir podcast. The reader in this episode was Belinda Hoare. Production is by me, Johan Gabrielsson and technical production by Vlad Ladman. In the next episode, we get the ingredients of the most successful TV shows to come out of Nordic Noir, and we examine what we can learn of human nature from the world of crime. If you like what you heard, tell your friends, review us on iTunes, and subscribe via your favorite podcast app. Goodbye.
Want to hear more stories like this? Subscribe to our regular podcasts on iTunes.